This shear is on Likutei Sichreis Chelik Yutes, the Sicha of Rosh Hashanah Vav Tishrei. I was given the beautiful gift that somebody asked me a question last week. He said, we know since we're in kindergarten that the day of Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment. Come home with uh, coloring sheets of mitzvahs and avedas. It's Yemadin, Shem judges us, and we get a Kisiva we're written and sealed for the good. Um, we get a good year, we're judged about that, we ask for a good year. Uh, simply a good year, Begashmias, physical, material things. And on the other hand, when we start going to Yeshiva, and we start learning Chesidus particularly, so we recognize a different dimension about Rosh Hashanah, that there's a whole side of Rosh Hashanah that's one of the deepest, the deepest relationship we have with Hashem, which is we crown Him as a king. We see ourselves as unworthy, and we see how exalted Hashem is, and we beseech Him, Hashem, be the king, rule, reign. We coronate Hashem as the king of the entire universe and over ourselves. How do those two things go together? There seems to be a disconnect. It seems to be two different topics. One is the world of coronation, where all you're focused on is Hashem being your king, and the other one is the world where you're focused on making sure that you have enough to feed your family in the next year. And the gift, I say I was given a gift, because this sicha is really the answer to this. And uh, when you start off with a question that's been formulating in your own mind for a week, <coughs> and then the Sicha answers it, so it's so much more alive. So let's jump into the Sicha here. In the Raftayda, in the Raftayda, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the book of Shmuel, so the Raftayda speaks about Chana. She was the wife of Elkanah. And the content of this Raftayda is that Lachana and the background is Lachana didn't have children. And there, thereafter, through her davening, through her prayer, while she was in the Mishkan in Shiloi, Mishkan was not yet, the Besamikdash was not yet in Yerushalayim, it was still in one of its earlier steps, it was in the city of Shiloi, in a Mishkan. So then, through her prayers, she was blessed to become pregnant and blessed with a son called Shmuel the prophet. The point of reading the, the Haftarah on Chlal in Yomim Tevim, why do we read particular Haftarahs? It's just like all Haftarahs, it's, 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 um, it's like by Kriya Satera. How do we decide which Kriya to read on a Yom Tev? We have the weekly reading, which follows, this, the, which follows the usual pattern. Every week we read the next Parsha. On Yom Tev, there's a choice made to read excerpts of the Torah. Based on what? Based on the time, right? So uh, the reading of the Haftarah is also the same concept that it's supposed to tell us something about the time in this particular Shabbos or in this particular Yom Tov. So usually the Shabbos is connected with the Parsha, but on the Yom Tov it has to be connected with the Yom Tov. So similarly, even though that the simple reason why we say this Haftarah and Rosh Hashanah is because Chazal tell us in Mesech Rosh Hashanah that Chana was answered on Rosh Hashanah. Literally the Lashon is that the Chana Vashem Chana is Nifkat Gavam Roshana. Chana became remembered or became pregnant or it was decreed, as Rashi says there, 
decreed upon her that that's that she will become pregnant that year. She was answered on Rosh Hashanah. So that's a simple reason why we read the Haftarah, because the action happened on, on Rosh Hashanah. However, obviously the Haftarah says the Rebbe also contains within it teachings about the Avedah, Vayid and Rosh Hashanah, and many teachings in general. Many teachings in general, the Rebbe quotes here, the Gemara in Baruchas, it says that there's Kama Hilchasa Gavrasa Gavlapsa there are many halachas regarding Shemayna Esser Bechlal that we learn from this story about Chana. One of them being that she spoke, but you, the words were not audible. That's the basis of our saying, the Tfilas Amida Belachash. In some places, you'll actually hear people refer to the Shemayna Esser, the first one, as Tfilat Lachash. We say it softly. We learn this from the Tfilah of Chana. So there's many things we can learn. Regarding Rosh Hashanah and in general, this Avteira. So since the Avteira that brought to the remembering of Chana, of having her answered by Hashem, that's the main point of this Avteira in connection to Rosh Hashanah. Right? Because um, we're davening to Hashem. Hashem should answer our prayers. And we're speaking about a case where the person's prayers was answered in the most significant way. She was blessed with a child. And that happened on Rosh Hashanah. So since the basis for her being answered was her tefillah in Shila, it makes sense to say that the main teaching of the Avteira about the Aveda of Yidin has got to do with the tefillah of Chana. In other words, especially here, the Rebbe says, according to the opinion that the Shalah brings, that also tefillah's Chana was on Rosh Hashanah. See, what the Gemara says, that, uh, that Chana was Nifkida, it could mean that she was answered, either she, either she became pregnant on that day, or Hashem decreed that she would become pregnant throughout the year. But those opinions are of the opinion that, um, like it seems from the Medrash, that it took place when, El, when her husband, Elkanah, went up to Shiloi in the Sholei Shergolim. That wouldn't have been Rosh Hashanah. So her tefillah was answered on Rosh Hashanah. The tefillah didn't take place on Rosh Hashanah. Nonetheless, says the Rebbe, the point of talking about this on Rosh Hashanah is about the tefillah aspect. Because we want to learn about how to daven, how to focus on davening on Rosh Hashanah. And then the Rebbe says, how much more so that there's a day in the Shalot that the actual prayer took place on Rosh Hashanah. So that would make it even more powerful that what we're trying to establish here is a modality of davening, of prayer. How do we relate to Rosh Hashanah via V, our davening? Base. We'll understand this by first prefacing an explanation about the tefillah of Chana in general. The story goes that Eli HaKoyen, and many opinions are that he was the Koyen Godel, he assumed that she was a Shikoyra, she was drunk. Why? Because she was praying in a way that was apparently unusual at the time. She was speaking to her heart. In other words, she was enunciating words which were not audible. Therefore, he tells her, How long will you be drunk for standing here inappropriately? In other words, in the Mishkan. And Chana answered, No, my master, I'm not drunk. I've come here to pray. I pour my heart out before Hashem. And so on. Now we have to understand, there's some questions on this. 
How could it be that Eli Akoyan should make such a radical mistake? I mean, Akotza, Akotza. Instead of recognizing, instead of recognizing that she was a devout lady davening with an outpouring of a soul, he didn't just think that, you know, he thought that she's drunk. That's, these are two extremes. How did he make such a radical misjudgment? Bays, even if we can find an explanation what made Ailey have the mistake, and the Rebbe quotes here various Mepharshim that discuss how did he come to have such a mistake, what was he misreading, still we don't understand why does the Torah tell us about this misjudgment. We know that there's a rule that even to speak about a non-kosher animal in a derogatory way, the Torah doesn't speak. In the story of Noyach, the Torah makes extra words to say that any animal that was not Tohar, rather than saying any animal that was Tomeh, so how much more so in Lahavdil, to separate by, by, by infinite separ- separateness, how much more so when we talk about Eli and why are we describing him in, a, in, a, in an unfavorable way that he misread the situation. Gimel, since Eli thought that she was Shikera, so what, what should have been his line of action? Why does Eli wait till she finishes? As Rashi explains, when it says in the Pasuk, Eli means Eli waited for her to finish, and then he had this interaction with her. He told her, why are you here? You're drunk. He should have right away interrupted her and made sure that she would be led out, escorted out of the, of the house of Hashem. <laughs> Call in security. You know, there's some, somebody inappropriately, uh, you know, f- f- finds himself in the Mishkan, drunk. Call in security. Why does he wait? So, Gimel, from this all, it's imperative to say, we understand that Eli didn't think her a drunk in the literal sense of the world. We're talking about, he called her a drunk, he meant that you're praying drunkenly. In other words, since that Filavchana was in a way of Hirvisali Spal, she davened with such intensity. So that's a tfila that's more than the the norm. And that's not a good thing when you're standing in, in the house of Hashem. He perceived it as being inappropriate. Um, which is interesting. The other fifteen that ever brings you would say davening, davening with intensity has always got to be good. Interesting that the Gemara speaks about iyun tefillah, that there can be davening with an intensity that's not positive. What is that? That's when you daven and you expect the tefillah to be fulfilled. In other words, the ex- and iyun tefillah, davening with intensity in terms of getting involved in your tefillah, that's, that's amazingly powerful. Everybody should always be trying to daven with the most kavana and the, most, and the, and the length and, and, and depth. But the davening and then feeling an expectation, that's considered something that's not positive because the reason for that, sorry, I'm digressing here, that ever quotes this in, in the Gemara, refers to this Gemara, the reason for that is because the tefillah comes up and it's, and it's, um, let me use the word, entitlement. When it comes up as an entitlement, then uh, we all know when somebody comes to us asking for something, but not asking, 
speaking to us as if he's entitled to it, then we open the books and say, are you entitled? If you say, look, Hashem, I'm undeserving, but I'm asking you, please. Okay, something else. That's a mairich b'tfila, speak at length in your tefillah and ask for as much as you want, whatever you want. But davening in a way of entitlement, that's considered an over tefillah, and a tefillah in a way that's not positive. So, why, perhaps this is what Eli was mistaking, that she's coming and davening in an entitlement way, and this is, he's telling her, this is not the way you come to the Beis Amikdash. And Chana answers, no, I'm pouring out my soul before Hashem, that even the Hirbis al even the great intensity of the davening, it's got to do with the outpouring of my soul, Shvichas HaNefesh. It's got nothing to do with a drunkenness of prayer, with a misappropriate, with an inappropriate way of prayer. He didn't think she was really drunk. She's talking about, there's still a misunderstanding here, that Ailey thinks that she's davening inappropriately. She says, no, I'm pouring out my soul. And that is a great level in tefillah. This is the connection between tefillah, Chana and Rosh Because the discussion, the taina on minor, the discussion between Ailey and the give and take between Ailey and Chana was about the way one should daven in the house of Hashem. So now by understanding this discussion, question, answer, then we understand it gives us a, a, an insight into the general content of Tfilas Chana, of Chana's prayer, and of many prayers of Rosh Hashanah, as we're about to say. Dalit. And here we jump into a fundamental question, which I began this year with. Rosh Hashanah is known as the Yemad in the Day of Judgment for all the needs of man, both Ruchnis and Gashmis. Physical and material. Now listen to this Pasuk. The Pasuk says, what's the basis of us knowing? I mean, the Torah just says, the Torah says about Rosh Hashanah that it's a day of blasting the shofar. the Torah Shavikisah. Then we know that it says in the Ksuvim, it says, This is the day, the beginning of your deed. In other words, referring to the creation of man or Rosh Hashanah. It's a day of choik, means judgment for Yisrael. It's a day of judgment for the gods of Yaakov. That's in other words, when the Jewish people are judged by the God of Yaakov. That's the simple meaning of the Pasuk. Says, uh, says the, um, I think the Gemara says, choik Yisrael, choik, the word choik is not just judgment, but it's from the expression of hatrifeni lechem chuki. Which means, give me, this is a pasuk in Mishlei, Hashem gives me the bread, chuki, referring to the bread and the physical needs as chuki. In other words, a, a, an, an allotment. So the word chayik now refers to the dinner mishpat, not just judgment, but the judgment of, about mezoinus, about sustenance, about food. But food is a, is a cover word for all the needs, physical, material needs of man. So that's one thing that happens at Rosh Hashanah. Judgment on the physical allotment, the materialism that a person will get throughout the year. And then there's also a continuation of that passage, which is Mishpat Yankiv, which we would translate literally to mean that it's a time when the God of Yaakov judges Yaakov. Says uh, the Pshat that that's also when Hashem, um, this is in the Kutiteda, I think that was maybe quoting it from also the Maimon of Shin Yud. This is when. Mishpat Leiloikei Yaakov, there's a judgment. How much Eloikei Yaakov is going to get? In other words, how much Gilu Eloikuz Ben Afshay, how much revelation of Hashem will be in the nefesh of Yaakov? 
In other words, this is, if you've never heard of this, you're going to be very, very enlightened here. You think if I try hard enough, I'll feel spiritual. The fact that I don't feel spiritual is because I, did, I never tried. You have to realize that even the feelings, the gift of feeling Hashem, of having a revelation of Elikus in our soul, this is also something that Hashem gifts us. So of course we have to try and persevere and, and work. But we daven, and, and this is something we daven for, that Hashem allow us to have a gilui. So therefore this is happening also on Rosh Hashanah. And that's why we daven on Rosh Hashanah for two things. We daven for the tefillahs, we daven for bane, chayim, for children and having children, achas for children, chayim for life, for health, for sustenance, for food and for all our other material needs. And also we daven for Atzalacha for success in matters of Ruchnias. However, on the other hand, so that's all self, it, it seems to be self-centered. We're davening for all our needs. Hashem wants us to daven for our needs. On the other hand, we know that the Nekudas Avveda, Nekudah of Rosh Hashanah, and the main, the Iker of Avveda is Tefillah, the Nekudah of Avveda of Rosh Hashanah is in being Machtir Hashem as king, is in the coronation. As Chazal says, the main focal point of Rosh Hashanah is to coronate me upon yourselves. And as we say in the central tefillah of Rosh Hashanah, the tefillah that runs through all the tefillahs, which describes the theme of Rosh Hashanah, we daven to Hashem, rule, reign over the entire world with your glory. And then the central Baruch Ato Hashem, that describes Rosh Hashanah is Melech al Kol Oretz Mekadesh Yisrael V'Yem Azikar and Melech al Kol Oretz You are the King of the entire world and so on. That's the theme of Rosh Hashanah. What's the avoid of Achtoras Melech of coronating the King and accepting His supreme Majesty, His rulership? It comes through a expression through a tenua of Bittul Betachlis of total subservience through the fact that a person subdues himself totally under the reign of the king to the extent that he feels nothing of his own desires. That is truly the Aveda that elicits Hashem to be a king over us. And this bittle is what achieves, how do you, how do you, how do you proclaim the king? Proclaim the king by the king seeing that you're a subject. You're totally subservient to him. That arouses within the king, the physical king, it arouses feelings of exaltedness, which allows him to rule. Hashem is exalted, but it creates a relationship. He's exalted now over us. We crown him over us by total subservience. But those are two opposite things, says the Rebbe. When you stand in a state of total subservience to the king, you're not able to think, definitely not to ask about your own needs. You can only talk about your own needs when you have your own desires. When you're in front of the king, you're totally subservient. And that is even if we wanted to talk about spiritual needs. How much more so we talk about gashmis dikabakoshes, talk about physical requests, which about that, that's the Iker Din of Rosh Hashanah, as is spoken in Hagos Maimines. And we have this, so there's a very well, oft quoted in Chassidus, I've quotes this many times, that the Hagos Maimines on the Rambam, 
he writes that the main din of Mishpat of Roshan is actually on our physical allotments. So, you know, square brackets here. We know what it says in Tikkun Ezra, says the Rebbe, that those that ask on the days of atonement, seems to be, maybe this means also the days of atonement, maybe, I'm not sure, maybe Rosh Hashanah and Kippur uh, joined together. Those that ask on those days of atonement, for Mezoina, sustenance, slicha, forgiveness, kapola, atonement, v'chayi, and life, kasveinu l'chayim, they're saying, write us into the book of life. Those that are asking for those things, says the Tikkun Ezoyar, those are like dogs, cloving, that scream, have, have. Have, have, give, give. Have means in Aramaic, give. They don't think about themselves. You're standing in front of Hashem, you're saying, give, that's a dog. You're not thinking about the Shechina, you're missing the point, you're standing, you're standing in front of the Shechina, you can't even think about yourself. On the other hand, one second, these bakoshas of the, about, about our human needs, they're in the Nusach they're, um, they're put in to the Nusach of the Tefillah through Chazal. We didn't make up the davening. It wasn't written by some uncouth, insensitive people that didn't know the Tikkun Ezeir. Fakert, we, it's in our, we read from what the, the holy Anshik Nesagdeil and so on wrote. And our sages wrote. And, and they explained to us that this is the, the time we're supposed to ask for our requests to be fulfilled. From this we understand that these requests are not just not because Hashem says, you know, I'm reading the Siddur and I'm squirming, I'm feeling uncomfortable for reading such a thing. Hashem said, I got to read it, so I'm going to read it. Yeah, because that's what Hashem wants. No, we understand that actually this is the time when we should feel, when we should be motivated to ask for these things. Because this is the time to be asking. Yeah. It's not a, in other words, this is not just a, uh, look, we have no chance, we have no choice. We gotta ask, this is the time we gotta ask, we don't wanna ask. No, this is the time we're meant to be motivated to ask. In other words, says the Rebbe, for from one side, you have to want and intend in this part of davening that the Abisha should give you all your needs. And uh, uh, on the contrary, says the Rebbe in RA25, the main mitzvah of davening is to ask for what you need. So that's what you're doing with Rosh Hashanah. But for that, what do you need? You have to feel yourself. You have to feel what it is you need. At the same time, you have to also be totally consumed, be totally enveloped in this feeling, in the, in the, in the mission to create Hashem's majesty, to coronate Hashem over yourself. To coronate Hashem, you need a total bitl, you need a total subservience. Which means you don't have a mitzvah. I'll give you a, a story, a well-known story. There was a chassid who... Um, uh, it's, it's a standard template of when, when chassidim would go to the Rebbe in Chabad. So stand in front of the Rebbe with a shopping list. Say, what, well, I need this, I need that. All of a sudden, even if you prepared one in advance, you forgot about that. Standing in front of the Rebbe, you, the... the, 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 the total and vast um, 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 difference in levels between the Rebbe and Achoset, the feeling Achoset has, he stands before the Rebbe, he's like, he's going to ask for his stuff. He doesn't even feel himself at that time. 
In other words, this is, this is, this is a reality. You're standing in front of Hashem. You're going to ask for your stuff. And not just feeling like, oh, what should I do? I have to ask. Hashem told me to ask. No, but Chazal wants us to actually daven with heart. We're praying for our things. How do we understand that? So L'Chaeri says that Rebbe, it's not a question just for Hashanah. Hey, it's a question every day. You get to Shemina Esra. So the whole experience of Shemina Esra is that you daven like standing before the king. There are many, many halachas that, that tell us about this. When you stand in front of the king, you can't move. That's why we stand in one place. We don't run around when we say Shemina Esra. We stand in one place. We're standing in front of the king. Till we even find the Gemara says that when someone is standing in front of a king, there's a concept that machve b'moche, kami malka, if a person even makes a movement, uh, a hint of something in, in front of the king, that's something that uh, there's capital punish from, uh, punishment for in, by the king. Uh, to, put it in, uh, to put it in our times, imagine somebody uh, checks his WhatsApp in front of the king. Right. On the other hand, Every yitch, so Shemines is this total subservience daily. On the other hand, the nusach for every single Jew, doesn't matter if they're tzaddik or not a tzaddik, the nusach at is the 12 middle brachas, which is all about asking for what you need. So that's a question every day. Why are we just asking this about Rosh Hashanah? However, there is a difference. Why? All year, after we coronate the king, so then Hashem is a king. It's not about, we're not always standing in a state of coronation. That's a once a year process where as Rosh Hashanah comes in, Hashem, so to speak, withdraws his inner desire for the world, and we have to reestablish that by eliciting within him, so to speak, the desire to rule. That's a coronation process. Coronation doesn't take place all the time. After the king becomes a king, then the king conducts his state affairs. So then the beetle of an ongoing kingdom is that there's needs, there's subjects, and the king provides the needs of the subject because he carries out his agenda through that. When you stand in front of the king, at those, those moments when you're getting instructions or you're standing in front of in the king's presence, so then the whole feeling there that has to be projected in the language and body language and experience of the person is that everything you're dealing with, it's all the kings. But Okay, but then you leave that state. So it's, this is not, a, in other words, you're not standing in a constant state like that. There's, the king understands. He wanted you to go out and do your business and then come and stand in front of him, report back and ask for more in the context of there being nothing but the king, but fulfilling the king's agenda. However, that's not Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is like, is like the, uh, should I call it the brain surgery? It's like the head of the year. It's like being machted. Rosh Hashanah is about being machted, about coronating the king. When the coronation takes place, there's no needs. That's when the king is exalted from thinking about the nitty-gritty, about the actual implementation of his kingship. That needs a, a deeper, greater bitl. A bitl betachlis, where there's no other thing other than the king himself. We, the, the world, I mean, this is being recorded in... Um, the end of Tavshin Pei Base, September of 2022. And this was, there was just recently a coronation of a king in Ashkoch uh, Pratis, it would seem. In the days of Elul, the world was busy talking about coronating a king uh, in England. 
and the pomp and the uh, and, and the amount of money and the amount all everything that was spent because although today there isn't that feeling the king doesn't really have that kind of power there's a government and he can't doesn't have the power of life and death he, he you know he works within a democracy i'm living in thailand i could talk about kingship but thailand is one country the world was uh, and and indeed when the transition from here from the old king to the new king we saw this i went to see it with my own eyes I went to the coronation, uh, to, to one of the processes of the coronation where the king walked through the street and I was not allowed to sit, not on a chair, to sit down, excuse me, on my backside, on the asphalt. I, they allowed us to bring a piece of cardboard to sit on, but nothing of elevation. The total, the, the act of, now that's not the feeling that we have when we walk around the streets now, although it's still a kingdom of Thailand, but the actual active coronation is a time where what, the, the, the feeling is, the activity is, bitl. So, but this is Rosh Hashanah. That's the whole experience of Rosh Hashanah. So how in that same time can we ask the king about our own needs? You understand? Shmeina Esra is station identification. You get a, a, an audience with the king, and then you go out and do what the king wants. So of course, you need, you come, you say, king, I'm all yours. I need these and these things to carry out your, 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 your mission. But Rosh Hashanah seems to be all about just establishing the king. How are we asking about our own stuff? We're not here. Vav, so the explanation is. The fact that a Yid asks about his things on Rosh Hashanah. So you know what? Yes. The intention has to be not about him. It's not about he should have a lot of stuff of this world in Elam Haza. Or even he should have a lot of Ruchnias, because that's also about myself. But this should be a seamless an integrated extension of the Aveda of making Hashem, coronating Hashem as king. In order to be able to fulfill Hashem's plan of may Hashem coronate and reign over us with your glory. Then in the whole world, what should be felt is the malchus, the kingship of Hashem. You know how that happens. It's through the fact that Ayid occupies himself with things of this world and makes them a dwelling place for us. So, that was where. I mean, to coronate Hashem, the way Hashem is coronated is by us bringing Him into the world, making Him the ruler over the physical world. And since every Yid has sparks of Kedusha that are connected to his Neshama, which he has to refine, those Nitzaytes, those sparks, are enclosed in physical things that Hashem has given to be part of his world, his Chelek, it's his portion, it's his Aveda, the things he interacts with. The things he comes in contact with, those are destined by Hashem to come into his purview, to come into his line of Aveda in order to be able to imbue them and bring them under the dominionship, dominion of Hashem, the rulership of Hashem. So that's why the Yid asks by Hashem that he should give him these physical things. So he should be able to utilize those physical things and carry out his portion of coronating Hashem over the world. So what does that mean? That when you talk about asking for your needs on Rosh it isn't about, there isn't Tarangimish, there's not even mixed in a feeling of the person's identity, independent identity. Because his whole purpose of asking is as a fulfillment of Hashem's plan. It's in order to bring down the Shkina. The Lashon of the, the Magid of Mezich, Lahashpia Bishkinas Uzay, or Bishvila Shkina, the whole thing is as an agent in order to bring down the flow of Hashem. It's not about the mitzvahs of the person. So it comes out 
that dafka because of this tachlis abitul, this absolute subservience in which a person stands in Aved of carnating the king. Because remember, birun hanitzaitzis refining these parts has to do with the etzem haneshama. So now, when you expose the etzem haneshama, when the shama needs, speaks about its mission. Parentheses. Same way the Kavanam Nisavish Baratim when we say that Hashem desired to have it in one place in the lower worlds, which becomes that's what is achieved through this Aveda of refining the sparks in, in the physical world. Where is that rooted? That's rooted in the essence of Hashem. His desire, higher than any rationale, higher than anything else, Atmos. Similarly, by Eden, who have to who they are trusted and empowered to fulfill this actual intention of Hashem to implement it, their Aveda is also connected. With the Etzaman with the Etzaman we talk about the deepest essence of the Shama. The whole concept of having personal needs doesn't doesn't exist because, as the lashon is Chavuka o the Bnei soul in that singular place in the Neshama, the deepest essence, Yichida Neshama, are embraced and connected to Hashem in a way of unification. So when the when the is asking for its needs. Asking for the needs of Hashanah when you're in the full state of Bitlis, because the Etzam Hashanah is requesting the tools to be able to fulfill that which Etzam Hashanah knows it has fulfilled, to make a dira for Hashem. That is, so when you expose the Etzam Hashanah, the Etzam Hashanah says, Yes, I need, I need my bread. Not because I'm interested in bread, not because I'm me. Hashem, you want me to, I want to make you the king. And in the deepest spot now, I know that I need to make you the king over the physical world. Not about me, it's about you. To bring you down. And the time you can really get to that is when everything's peeled away and you're at your raw essence of Yechida. Where asking for your personal needs is not about your persona, it's about Hashem. Zayn, the you could ask. <laughs> this sounds like very heavy, weighty stuff, right? Our sages put in this Nusachat for every Jew, the Rebbe emphasizes, yeah, they Eden, every Jew does these Tvilis. It doesn't matter what he's like. And we know about ourselves. Yodah, a person knows himself, that when he's asking for physical things, or even for spiritual things, it's not just to be able to fulfill Hashem's kavan, Hashem's intention. But, brackets, the Rebbe says, at least there is also, even if it's not fully self-centered, but there's some aspect that the person feels that he's in need, he's in a maidsar, he feels the stress, how's he going to pay his bills? And he wants that Hashem should take care of his needs, the person needs, not just Hashem's needs. He says, Hashem, please, from your full hand, and give me archava, broadness. On the contrary, um, the mitzvah, as we know, the mitzvah of, of, of tefillah is that, that, that you should daven when you need something, and the full fulfillment of tefillah the mile of tefillah is that you actually change reality. That the person was sick, God forbid, you prayed for his, for it become better, it becomes better, and so on. Things grew, and you had panasa. So when we're talking about, if you, so you see like this, as humans, we have the capacity more to live in extremes. If you wanted to say that Rosh Hashanah, a person should totally obliviate himself from anything physical. He should forget about physicality. His whole Aveda should be just focusing on Hashem. To accept the yoke of heaven. So that would be no question. Because since this is a time where we know 
Kabbalah, it says it's Kirov Amoyran. It's this whole 10 days of time when the luminary, Hashem's presence, the, the, the source of light, the luminary, is close to the spark. So in other words, Hashem projects like as if the, the sun would come down to, this, to the ray of sun. The ray loses identity. So we understand that when there's such a great revelation of Hashem to the Yid, so the Yid becomes aroused with a hazoza atzmis, his essence. He has an existential shake-up, so to speak. He wants to become closer to Hashem. Forget about it. He doesn't want to think about his own needs. Only have an, a, a relationship with the king. He just only feels as the king. We, okay, that, that's... Then you can say, you could live in that state for two days, but we're not... No, we're saying, no, but you, you know, you got you to be here in this world also and talk about your own needs. How can you demand, by yet the Eden, by every Yid, that they should have these two radical... Um, 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 mutually exclusive opposites feelings here. On the one hand, he should think about his own needs and want that they and really daven true. Yeah, who's going to be uh, who's going to be shaken up and who's going to be. Yeah. And on the other hand, on the other hand, he should be thinking only about Hashem, not think about himself at all. It's all about Hashem. How does that work? How can you demand this from every yid? Ches, says the Rebbe, will understand this by the Vat Shantov, says in the Pasuk, Eivim, Gam Tzmei, Nafshem, Em Tisatov, in Kapitel Kuzayim, Tilim, Chapter 107, Tilim, which we say every Friday, they were hungry and thirsty, but their soul was, was, uh, the word Tisatov eludes me, but basically their, their soul was, whatever it is. Nafshem, Em Tisatov, sorry, I didn't look up the touch. Um, we say it every Friday, we should know it. It basically means that their soul was hungry and thirsty. It doesn't mean their soul. We mean that they were hungry and thirsty in the simple taich. Said the Baal Shem Tov, there's a much deeper meaning here. That the hunger and thirst, you know where hunger and thirst is? Even Gans Vim, you know where it comes from? It's because nafsham, the nefesh, is hungry and thirsty. Why does the body desire food and drink? It's because deep down the neshama wants it. The neshama wants to interact with the sparks of Kedusha that's in the food and drink. Because these, obviously these sparks belong to him, and that's why he has an attraction to this particular food. He has to rectify this food. Of course, if it's chashram, not kosher, then his purpose of being attracted is to fulfill Hashem's will and control himself and not have it. We're talking about things that are permissible. Why is he attracted, really? It's his neshama that wants to interact with those nitzaytzis to refine those sparks. In other words, even though the, what, you ask the, people, the person, do you feel the sparks? says, no, I'm hungry. I want to eat because I'm hungry. But really, deep down, the hunger of the neshama, because of the Sparks of Kedusha in the food that belong to him. Similarly here. The fact that he is asking Rosh Hashanah and pleading on Rosh Hashanah. He really means it. That Hashem should give him his physical needs and his spiritual needs. So even though externally it's because, hey, I, I want to make sure I pay my bills. I want, my, I want to have kids. I want to make sure everybody's healthy. I want to, you know, it's about me. No, but the emes and pnimis, the truth of the shvichas and of this outpouring of soul is really, it's like the hunger of the neshama. It's in order to fulfill Hashem's desire, to make from the physical things a deed of Hashem. That's the subconscious, the deeper strata of the inner neshama. It's happening by every yid. Adrama, the fact that you see that yidin, you see, are, are aroused when they say Nisana Tekev. And the Rebbe says, goes, jumps to the end of Nisana Tekev. If you'll notice in Nisana Tekev, there's a part that's very emotional, the Chazonim's, the Nusach that the Chazonim sing. It's very emotional. God forbid, who's going to live and die, and who's going to die in this way or that way? That those are we understand that shakes the person up, but we also get very emotional. There's there's a there's a latter part of the Nisana Tekev, which is 
the 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 tone is a little bit more uh, not jolly, but it's a little lighter. Mianuach, who's going to be settled? Mianuach, who's going to have to be you know uh, moving from place to place? you know, who's going to have an easier life? It's not about life and death, but who's going to be uh, who's going to have their physical their 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 needs in a way of wealth? Who's going to be David be poor and so on? But you see that even in that, you didn't say the whole Nisanatekev dealing with their with their physical needs, of course, life and death, but even to the to, to those physical needs at the end, we say from the depth of the heart, more than they say this when they speak about coronating Hashem. Think about Hashem's majesty, but that that that's that does not sell you all, immediately by every year and gender. The same feeling of these where wow, you're thinking, you know, what's gonna happen to me this year? So this is a but that's standard. That's Mizet that ever says, you see that Yid not ashamed it. So this this is not a mistake, this is not self-centeredness. This is a proof that this is the truth. Deep down the Nishama is expressing himself in the Rasana Takev. Why? Because even though when you look at the external reason, it's because being a neshama in a body. So uh, the neshama is a little bit aloof. Is a, is a neshama thing, really. The bodies, we're closer to our bodies. We feel that when I'm hungry, I really feel hungry. Uh, and I want to dive in the neshama. I shouldn't be hungry this year. But really deep down, says the Rebbe, based on the Baal Shem, it's the kavana, really, that's what Hashem wants. The kavana of Atmos is to have a dira And therefore, it also... Pervades a yid to the extent that his etzema nefesh is crying out to be able to give him the tools to make Hashem's dwelling place. That's what Hashem wants. And that's why he gets excited and aroused, Afka, by the bakoshes, by the implementation of Hashem's supreme reign. Because Bipnimius, why is he getting aroused? He thinks, well, because I, because I want to make sure I, you know, I, I live. What's your neshama screaming out? The neshama is having a hazoza atzma, the neshama is having an existential shakeup, let's call it. To fulfill Hashem's desire to make the world a dira for Hashem. Unbelievable that ever now bequeaths, gives, exposes to every single yid who comes to Shul, to Davin, that really he's in sync on Rosh Hashanah with Hashem's deepest level. We're, we're talking about what the biggest Mukubalim and Rebbes crowning Hashem, every yid's doing that because that's really why he's asking for what he's asking. That's the, the existential reason in his Neshama. It's Nusach Hatfilah for everybody. That's what's taking place. Unbelievable. So we could also say that this is the reason, test, this is the reason Aveda, why they were Kiveya, to say the davening of Chana. How does this come back to Tfilas Chana? And what is Eli saying? How long would he be drunk? The time of Eli was that when you stand in front of Hashem before the Kodshe Kodshim, the Holy of Holies, there's one thing that you have to be interested in. That you're standing in front of Hashem. There's no room for asking Hashem for personal needs, for things of Gashmias. Even not, something so central, asking for a child. Especially not to dominate in a way where you're here, like you got overwhelmed with the feeling, really got into it. That's shikrus. It's a form of drunkenness, says Eli. Yeah, for a good a good purpose. You have you have a holy desire, but hello, you're emphasizing your gashmias. You're standing in front of Hashem. You should be feeling Hashem more. And Chana answers, "No, I pour out my heart before Hashem." It's not a drunkenness. It's not an overdone tefillah. God forbid for my own personal desires. On the contrary, this is my va'eshbechos nafshi. 
This is my own, this is my, the deepest expression of my soul, my Pnimis HaNefesh. My Pnimis HaNefesh is standing in Hashem. As we say, Bakshu Panoi, as Panecha Avaya Avakesh. My Pnimis is asking for the Pnimis of Hashem. I don't have my own desire. My Pnimis HaNefesh, this is for Eshpech Esnafshi, this is my Nefesh, my Nefesh that has no personal desires. My Etzim HaNefesh just wants to be one with Hashem. That's what's davening here, not personal desire. And that's why, right, we see right away when she davens, she says, when I have a child, then I'm going to give him a sativ l'ashem, I'm going to give him to Hashem all the days of his life. His whole life will be not his own. His whole life is about Hashem. I'm not asking for a personal thing. I'm asking him to be able to fulfill Hashem's plan here on earth. And that's a bakasha coming from my nefesh. It's not a drunkenness, thinking about myself in the presence of Hashem. It's thinking about Hashem in the presence of Hashem. The pnimius is, I want to fulfill the wills of Hashem. Yud. And from this, every Yid has a Yidah and his Avedah. Aye, so Ha'ara 46, Rabbi asked the obvious question, why didn't Eli get it? So, Rabbi says, because a Kayan, and a Kayan Gadol particularly, he's, he's in a state of separation on some level. He's in the base of Mikdash all day. So, for that, he's not part of that implementation. Therefore, he doesn't feel when he hears... Chana davening this way, it doesn't, doesn't sit with him that this is implementation of being in the presence of Hashem. Um, Yud. So this is a, a hayra teaching in Hashem's Aveda, in every Yid's Aveda, and it's Tfilah Rashana. It's not enough that the Pnimis of a Yid is the way it should be. Yeah, we said that this is the subconscious, this is the existential shakeup that's taking place in the Yid, and that's what he means deep down when he davens for his needs. It's not enough it should be in, in a hidden way, it has to come out in a, in a revealed way. Therefore, when a yid stands on a shoulder to ask his physical needs or even his spiritual needs, there's in his own self there's a dialogue. There's Eli Akain who says, Hello, how, how long are you going to be like a drunkenness? You know, think now about your needs in Elam Haza, in a time when you're carnating the king? Nonetheless, he has to have the response of Chana in his own soul. He has to ask for those things. On the contrary, not just ask because he's forced to ask. No. The answer of Chana is that by Yed Yid, every Yid, even the one who's in the meantime just really thinking about himself, he has to realize that deep down what he's asking for is, it's, a, it's an expression of Va'eshpech is Nafti Hashem, it's really the depth of his Neshama calling out Hashem. And the depth of Neshama is one with Hashem, one thing with Atzmas. The same way the answer of Chana totally answered what Eli had a question about. He accepted, yeah, you're right, Chana. And he gave her a brocha and a promise that that Hashem will give you the request you asked. Similarly, the Abish will also be mali all the bakoshas of Yadiyid for Hashan Tevim, so good and sweet years, simply speaking, in Teva Nirva Nigla, revealed good, with children and life and Parnasa, all in a way of expansiveness. So we have the way that Rebbe brings seamlessly together the Hachtara nation of the king, which is all about Hashem, and the Yem Adin, which is that we're davening for our, for our needs. Of course, once we're davening for our needs, so we're the creation, the creation of man, we're, we're evaluated, what do we deserve, and so on. But this is the way these two things come together seamlessly.